Hi there, I'm Paul Irwin and welcome to the pros.com podcast where we discuss all of the relevant issues to help you succeed as a freelance translator or interpreter. We cover sales and marketing, translation techniques, cat tools and much, much more. Find out more at anchor.fm slash pros. Hey there, Paul here and welcome to episode 30 of the pros.com podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic week so far and I've got a great interview for you coming up in just a second with Dagmar L. Stark-Bastin. We'll be talking about some some issues that really affect freelancers when you're, when you're running your business. She's got a couple of great tips for freelance translators and interpreters and uh, well, just a really worthwhile interview overall I would say so stick around for that in just a second first of all I've got a couple of uh, a couple of listener questions and these are from Lisa Croster Lisa is an Italian translator and Lisa thanks very much for sending these questions in if you have any questions that you'd like to ask on the podcast then please send them to me at training at pros.com so you can email me at training at pros.com and I can uh, answer them to the best of my ability on the show. So Lisa asks, number one, how to get high-paying clients? She's referring to the episode with Renato Beninato. So at present, I have a full-time job as an export department sales support operator in a mechanical company working for the pharmaceutical sector. My goal is having a translation and interpreting business full-time. This means I need to aim high in the market. To achieve this, Renato talked about the need to acquire those skills which are required by high-paying clients but not so commonly offered. Could you please help me understand which these additional skills are or how I can go about getting them or acquiring them? So, great question that, Lisa. I I think there's a lot of... um, there's a lot of different subsectors within the translation market, if you like, and, w- and one of those sectors might be might be termed the high-paying market that, that you've mentioned there. So, so really, what this means is is connecting with direct clients, I think, and connecting with direct clients in a very specific way. And I think some people have managed to do this very successfully, where they they don't just offer translation services and they don't just talk about per word pricing but what they do is they really understand or they take the time to understand what a client is looking for and a client at the beginning of a relationship a client is often not thinking about price per word or the exact cost of a particular project they might have a budget for it but what they're really looking for is a solution so I would say if you can get into the solution mindset and really put yourselves put yourself in the shoes of of a client and what they're trying to achieve, then I think that can really help you to become a partner with that client and provide the services that they need. So so a client's project might be quite different from the client's perspective than I need to translate these 50 pages. It might be related to a website in different languages. It might be related to, to selling more or to bringing on new clients. They might have a, a, a really a different perspective, I think, and it might not just involve translation, it might involve graphic design, it might involve um, posting those translations on the web in, a, in, a, in some way. So, so I think if you can understand what the client really is looking for, what problem it is that they are trying to solve, 
and then once only once you fully understood their problem and then go in and, and offer them a solution then I think that can really help you to to succeed in that market so that was your your first question Lisa I hope that hope that helps question number two pros.com profile considering I have some translation experience but not that much to define myself as specialized in one specific field do you think it is a good idea to put in the specialties area those in which I have carried out some practice during an MA in specialized translation or is it better to wait to have a certain amount of translated words in a specific field so this is a great question Lisa and this relates to um, to when can you consider yourself an expert or a specialist and when can you at what point do you feel that you can start to promote that area of, of specialization with any degree of, of confidence and I think there really isn't a very clear-cut answer to this because it, it does depend a lot on the area of specialization and on how much experience you have in said area of specialization. But I would say this, I think it comes down to your confidence and your belief in your ability to do a great job for a new client because that, that's really what matters. So if if work comes in in this area of specialization, are you going to be able to, to, to do a great job? Because if you if you can't do a great job, then you really do need to work on your skills some more. So, so that might mean for some people that they've spent a couple of years working with documents in a, in a particular area. But for others, it can happen much more quickly. You might, you might work on three documents or three long documents in a very short space of time in a specialized area. And that might give you a certain degree of knowledge over and above many people in the market, enough to to consider yourself a specialist and to market yourself as a specialist. So I don't think there is an exact answer. Obviously, you do need you do need that experience. You do need that confidence and that belief that you are able to to offer an excellent service in that area. But there's no real fixed fixed set of um, or, or fixed minimum number of years or minimum number of words or anything like that. You just need to get to the point where you, you, you do have some understanding of the subject and, and you also are confident that you can provide an, an excellent service to your client. And and then de- take it on from there, of course, develop it over time. A, a specialization can be can be very broad, something like legal translation. Well, to be a, an expert legal translator, I think it does really take um, quite a long time to become that kind of, um, to, to be able to consider yourself a a true specialist sometimes when the subject matter is is more specific let's say you're you're dealing with a certain online application well if you've translated let's say three or four documents in the space of a couple of months or in that area of specialization then then i think you you might be well qualified to consider yourself an uh, a specialist in that area so i think it it does depend on on that kind of factor those kind of factors and I would also add that it doesn't make sense to have lots of areas of specialization either. You probably just want to have two or three in general, or four or five maybe, but certainly not 15. I think it, uh, it, makes, sense. it makes sense to actually limit your areas of specialization. So, so that's my advice on that one. And also, yes, once you have your areas of specialization, please make sure to update them on your pros.com profile. And finally, from Lisa, great questions, these, Lisa, thanks very much. Personal blog, considering I will need to slip into the freelance business little by little, I was considering the idea of creating a personal blog 
where I could post my thoughts on the language world and kind of experiment with my writing skills. I know there's a section in the LinkedIn profile for personal articles. Would you suggest that I use that section to gradually change the focus of my profile or would it be better to have a blog on some of the many blog websites we can find on Google? I guess once I'll have my personal website, my blog could simply be included in it. Am I correct? And um, yeah, another great question. So, so Lisa, what I would say is that I think it is a good idea to start blogging. And, and I think the best place for your blog is on your website because it's yours and you have complete control over it. So if you're posting on LinkedIn or something like that, you don't have complete control now, that's not to say you shouldn't post on LinkedIn as well. I think LinkedIn can help you to, to get a better audience for your, your posts. But I, I would say it's a good idea to have your own website and to have your blog on your website. When you start setting up a blog and when you start writing, at the beginning it's very important to think about exactly who you are writing for, what, what kind of audience are you trying to attract? And, and this is where I think a lot of translators sometimes fall into the trap of, of, of writing too much for other translators when what they want to do is, is attract new clients. If you want to attract new clients, you've got to write for those clients. If you want to write for translators and share your, your, your journey or share your expertise and interact in that way, that's absolutely fine, but just be clear on what you are doing. So I think the, the first thing when creating a blog is to absolutely decide who's going to make up your, your target market for that and then to stick to a some kind of schedule even if it's only once a month and, and try and build that up over time. It does take time to get a blog going so it's, it's important to be uh, consistent and then you can share your blog. If you have your blog on your website for example you can go into LinkedIn and other social media platforms and share a link to your blog post so you're then getting people to come from those platforms to your website so that's um a couple of a couple of thoughts on on blog posting i think it's a really good way of of sharing your experience sharing your thoughts sharing your journey it can be a very nice exercise but just just be very clear just be very clear exactly who it is that you're going to be writing for so thanks very much, Lisa, for those questions. I'd love to have more questions on, on the podcast, so answer more questions. So please uh, send me your questions to trainingappros.com with podcast questions in the subject header. Right, well, I think, it's, uh, I think it's time to get on with today's interview in just a second. First of all, just one last reminder that there's some fantastic new courses available at training.pros.com. So that's training pros.com don't forget to check those out as well right well let's get cracking with Dagmar so first of all I'm just going to read out a short bio that Dagmar has written so I am Dagmar L. Stark Bastin de Langier old enough to be experienced young enough to care I am a German national speak five languages and have lived on three continents, including numerous countries and U.S. American states. Currently, I reside in Colorado, where I am the managing director of Keylingo Translations with Global Clientele. Additionally, I am the CEO of Stark Translations, mainly servicing European Union countries. As a language instructor, translator, and interpreter for more than 30 years, I have had the privilege to teach for the U.S. Armed Forces in Europe, NATO, as well as various institutions in the United States. Among my students, one may find almost 40 nations represented. 
Parallel to my passion of languages and teaching, I have always embraced journalism, my first trade. Here, I was able to prove my talents by working as a journalist for newspapers as well as the public relations office of the city of Trier, Germany's oldest city during its 2,000-year celebration. Combining my many ambitions, I was the executive assistant to the CEO of the second largest international clearinghouse, as well as the assistant to the marketing manager of Bitburger Brauerei and Reynolds Tobacco. Besides my studies in Europe, I earned a BS in business management from the University of Maryland, an MA in human relations from the University of Oklahoma, and my online doctoral studies took place at the University of Phoenix. I love to help people and fall under the giver group. In clear words, I'm a facilitator, an outspoken person, believer in old-fashioned manners, trusting in the power of emotional intelligence, and have faith in God. If you'd like to contact me, please feel free to send me an email, info at starktranslations.com. Well, great. Uh, great introduction, that from uh, Dagmar. And Dagmar, welcome to the show. Hey, Paul. Thank you. Oh, well, fantastic. Fantastic to be talking to you today. I know you've got so much experience in the translation industry, so many things to talk about. So we'll get in, into some of those in just a second. But first of all, Dagmar, please tell us a little bit about how you got started in the languages industry, in the translation industry. Take us back to, to that time and, and talk us through a little bit of how you got to where you are today, please. How much time do we have? No, I'm just <laughs> joking, Paul. It, it's quite all right. Uh, I was born into a multilingual, multinational, multi-religious family. And languages never really, you know, seemed to be so foreign to me because we used to speak four different languages at home at all time. Wow. Um, when I started school and then moving around and it, it you know, first there or me, oh, wow, there's so much more out there. And, you know, when you lick the blood once, <laughs> it, it starts on growing. Um, my yeah. first my first uh, profession actually is, is uh, I became a journalist and uh, then studied um, because I wanted to bring the world, you know, to the world, the word to the world, I should rather say yep, yep, more, yep. more clearly. And, um, well, working, you know, and moving around 25 years, I followed my husband dutifully as a good military spouse and uh, then said, no, I want my own baby. And uh, yep. actually bought the franchise uh, Keylingo Translations in Colorado. Um, and after... You know, a couple of years after this, you know, I said, nope, I need a little bit more in order to work with the European market and create its uh, stark translations. So there was always this, you know, yeah, something that asked me, that pushed me, you know, of, yes, you want to do something better. And that was something that was definitely in, in my mark. Um of doing things differently than than what other people do or making a tad better better for I'm always for the linguists I work with always they come they come first you know I want to to be I don't even see myself as a boss I just see ourselves as a team and wonderful that's yeah. you know something it's uh you just don't see too often or people get not paid when i hear those stories it just makes makes my heart crunch because i've 
you know, feel it once in a while that I don't get paid. Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah, I yeah. still pay pay the linguists I I work with. I'm very proud of of saying that uh, I always pay on time, and uh, it's you know there's certain morals, certain values uh, that I was raised with thanks to my parents, uh, and uh, I like to pass on. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Tell us a little bit about how you made that transition or, and, and why you made that transition from, from journalism to, to translation. How did that come It's about? a very personal one. Uh, languages have always been part of, of my life, obviously. I always call it like being bottle fed by my parents. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the journalism was, you know, one of my, my big passions. Um, being the only child, and I've lost my father early. My mom had 11 years cancer, and uh, I was obviously the only one. Um, when a doctor comes to you and says your mom has X mon- uh, amount of months uh, to live, uh, when it went towards the end, she battled tremendously. And um, there was just no other way. You can't be a good journalist if you want to take full-time care of the person you love and you admire and who is suffering. So I said, what can I do? (laughs) What can I do, you know, without, you know, doing too much? So I started, you know, and I studied languages and uh, landed my first job um, about four and a half hours after my mom passed away in the middle of the night, I had a job interview. I went there and I, I believe I got the job, if I may quote it. My uh, late boss at the time, uh, he said, if uh, you can manage to do this, you can manage anything. Um, to lose your mom, mm. the person you love and, and adored, you know, uh, and you still showed up and you have that stamina and... Um, to show up for for an interview um you have the job yeah what a what a yeah what an incredibly difficult situation to to go through and also to put yourself in in that position like you said where you're in an interview as well i think that that shows what what kind of person you are dagmar and what um you know the the things that you've gone gone through and the successes that you've created so um so yeah, well, thank you. That's me, it's 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 good that we are not on camera because I still have tears in my eyes. Yeah, um, yeah, I can understand, and I I do admire you. I do admire you for coming on here and sharing that because this is, you know, this is a a business podcast. It's a translation podcast, and we we talk about all of those kind of things as well. But I think it is really, um, you know, it, it's it's very good of you to come on and and share something that really was and is still to some degree a, a very personal struggle for you so I, I i do appreciate that i i think it shows you know it, it shows us more about who you are and um and yeah i'm sorry that you 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 had to you had that difficult situation thank you <laughs> so let's um let, let's let's talk let's talk a little bit so that that was your that was your transition and then you so so you started you started working in translation and and how long between you starting to work and and then becoming involved with keylingo what was that what was that time right. frame um basically 
it already started in uh, beginning 90s um yeah but it was more or less you know i was still kind of a you know in a journalist i was in a pr office and they said oh you speak those languages translate this we all have been there right <laughs> so i had yeah. to do all those press releases and and brochures and everything and i kept on kind of going um for quite a few years kilingo started it 10 years ago when we bought the franchise and um like i said I, I very quickly found out that in order to do to do business with the eu it doesn't matter because i'm still a german national uh and only a german national i don't have dual yep, citizenship yep. or anything but that was not enough you needed mm -hmm. to have an actual business so what I did, I created stock translations and um, fully. Dagmar, please tell me, tell me a little bit about stock translations. Yeah, again, stock translation is fully, fully um, not just located, but I pay German taxes, you know, for, for yeah. things, you know, and, and um, it's um, its own entity. Uh, but it allows me to do to do business with the European uh, Union and any of its members and companies within the EU. And without this, the EU is very strict about this. You don't you you can't even put in for a bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's just something you know that I'm feel very strongly about um, because it is truly my own baby a yeah, franchise yeah. you still have somebody who is telling you in a way what to do okay and yeah. of course you have to pay your royalties etc etc okay very good very good and and how do you how do you um how do you get your clients dagmar what's been the most some of the most successful ways of getting clients over the years actually they found me <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't say this. It, it, it probably sounds sounds very very strange, but um, you have to make yourself visible. Uh, the first first couple of years, I have to admit, I was in any organization. I went to any place. Uh, I really tried to make myself visible. I handed out yeah. the good old fashioned business cards. Yeah. Um, I am um, due to. And this is not COVID related, <laughs> but um, prior to this, due to medical issues that that I had to face, among others, cancer, um, I I had to to say, okay, that's it, you know. And when you know LinkedIn, I'm very much on LinkedIn. Obviously, I'm now on Prozy, which I truly enjoy. And um, People start talking, you know, and they they just find you. They look you up on uh, on Google, and yeah. they hear yeah. about you. So so okay. Well, far, I like I, I like that. I like that. And it it sounds it does sound strange when you say all oh, clients come to me, but there, there's something behind that, right? So there's something behind that, and and you said you've got. I mean, if someone's going to look you up on Google, you need to be on Google. You need to have a website. You need to have something. You need to have a pros.com profile. You need to have a LinkedIn profile. If someone's going to find you. So there's there's work that goes in that kind of creating that that inbound, right? Absolutely. And and as you said, you talk to lots of people. You have lots of contact. I I I know Dagmar. You you have lots of contacts. You know lots of people in the industry. 
and outside and of the industry. It's nice. Right. I, I think, I'm sorry, Paul, you were saying? So, so you know lots of people in the, in the translation industry and you know lots of people in other industries as well. So I think you're a successful networker. I think that's, would it be fair to say that's part of it? Definitely, it's 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 part of it, and I do believe as strongly. I still, as I do believe, it's in the good of people still after all this <laughs> that we all had to to face here recently. Um, yeah, yeah. The um, I do believe people talk about you, um, and when I say talk about you, us. Um, people always talk, and when they see that somebody is is honest, is straightforward, um, is kind of an open book. That's what what people always call me. But somebody with a heart and a soul, yep. that also makes makes a difference. Over time, I need to say, over time, you cannot expect because everybody can put anything on the internet. That doesn't yeah. make you worth you know knowing you or doing business with you or becoming yeah, yeah, a friend yeah absolutely not you have to walk the talk totally totally all right well great advice there great advice there dagmar now as you know this podcast is mostly for freelance translators and interpreters and you right. are not you are not a freelance translator you are an lsp owner so what i would like to do is really get your perspective on things so if you're if i can ask you now right we're here part of our job at pros.com is to help freelance translators and interpreters a large part of our job so so how how can we help them today how can we help our listeners today what advice would you give to a freelance translator in terms of let's say you know looking for more work building up contacts dealing with machine translation frustrations dealing with price frustrations any of those you would like to tackle in terms of how we can help freelance translators in particular about the prices i already mentioned that before there's not too much that i can do personally um i cannot speak for for my colleagues i cannot speak for for other lsps but what i can guarantee to you is that i am not supporting this and i am still paying over and above pricing and you if you ever go with me, if you ever, you know, join me on, on a project, um, I can only tell you that I will pay the prices that I promised and I will pay on time. Um, that still doesn't, you know, help. Um, and if I stick on that, that pricing itself, um, you have to know your worth and your situation. It's easy for people to say, oh, well, don't do this. And you see this often enough on, on Pro-Z uh, Facebook uh, groups. People are how can you do this? How can you? No, you should know your price and, and so forth. Well, there is always a fine balance. If you are the sole, you know, uh, family breadwinner. Um, breadwinner and you have five kids that I'm going now, of course, exaggerating, but we have those situations. You yeah, are yeah, the, the yeah. only one. You have to do what you have to do. And if it is for a lower price than what you normally normally do, but you have to bring in the money, then you have to do this. I cannot, I can, you know, you know, stand in front of you and, and say, oh, please, you know, how can you? Well, yeah, you can because you want to feed your family. Yeah, so find, the, find you, the situation, find the point right. that, that works if, for you. 
Uh, if you have I, somebody else, you know, that, that brings in the money and you just do it because, you know, you love languages or you love this or maybe you're a starter and you just want to, to you know, get your feet wet. That's, you know, by any means, you know, do it. Plus, you can't you can't expect to 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 earn the big bucks, you know, as as a starter. We all started it somewhere. Yeah, I think there's some good points in there, Dagmar. And I think, um, you know, I, th I think one of them is that 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 everyone has their their own unique situation. And sometimes we don't appreciate that. So everyone I mean, everyone lives. People live in different countries for a start. So people have different levels of um education as well people have people have completely different circumstances so while there is while there are industry trends while there are language pair trends and so on and so on there are also there's also one's personal situation which needs to be taken into account so i think it, i mean i think it does make sense to understand what's going on globally and in certain markets of course it does but i think at the end of the day people have to take the right decision for themselves and i would add to that that very good point that you brought up that they they need to take the right decision for themselves at a particular point in time so Absolutely. so you know what what works for you today because you need to cover something today might not work for you next week or next month or next year as you get more experienced so i think there is that there is that transition there can be that growth definitely okay. uh and and to be quite honest um as some of you probably know, I do truly love languages. Uh, I'm also a language professor, and um, I have less than a handful of students every year that I accept uh, for very, very special, unique cases that need a lot of personal support. Um, I tell them the same thing. What I know now, I didn't know 40 years ago. Of course not. Nobody does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can you can really if you stay persistent, you have patience, you stay connected with whatever language you you're teaching. You cannot, you know, just be, oh yeah, I studied that language and then, you know, you don't you maybe some people have never even lived in the in the uh, country that you, of which the, the language they they actually are trying to teach. You can't do this. You have to stay plugged in. You have to, to uh, you know, really, really show what is what is going on. And that happens and transitions maybe a little bit to another topic that you mentioned about machine translations. Um, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> I'm quite old. I could probably be most of the linguists that you know, hopefully listens and are interested in, in our podcast here. Um, I could be your grandmother. <laughs> but um, what you really need to do is, as much as I do, technology is not just walking. It's not just running. It's running away from us if you don't try to catch it. So you really have to to stay on top of things and for the longest time, machine translations, and I have yet to touch it. I'd be very, very honest with you. But there will be a time that I know I need to transition. But what I don't yeah. do is totally close my eyes and do not follow the word machine translations. And, and it's just mind-boggling 
when you see what is going on. I know, Paul, uh, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but yeah. um, it's it's just amazing. Uh, it's still not there. That's my true statement. It's still not there. We are not being replaced. <laughs> okay, so please take a deep breath. We are not being replaced yet. Um, but uh, it's it's amazing what, what can be done. And then we tra could transition to AI uh, <laughs> and put this all together. We have, we have uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, uh, you know, big changes uh, ahead of us. And I do believe you can hear my doggies in the background. I do. I'm very sorry. That's all right. No problem. The postman was at the door. They're supposed to bark. <laughs> Sorry absolutely, absolutely, yeah. No, no problem, no problem. And and yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that you you mentioned there, Dagmar. I think I I think plugged in is a nice phrase. So connected, make sure you're aware of what's going on. And I think this idea of sort of running away from machine translation, I don't think that's going to be very productive for anyone. I think you've got to be tuned into what's happening. So I would encourage anyone who who shies away from it, at least to to find out what's going on to keep up with the news to a certain degree. I think that, I think that can, I think that can help. And there are also, when you say, well, we're not going to be replaced yet. Yeah. We might not re be replaced ever. If, if, if we do things in the right way and we, and a translator is able to know where they can add value to a machine translation process, because yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before on the show, but there's so, there's so much content out there right, that machines right. need to translate some of it. Otherwise it's not going to get translated. So and and also, of course, there are of course there are cost issues, pricing issues, but that doesn't mean that translators can't have a very valuable, even potentially, a more valuable position in the overall process than than they might have now. So I think there's definitely reason to be positive. I think absolutely. And um, one of my children is in the entertainment business, and uh, besides, he's a very gifted actor. Uh, he's studying post-production, and that would be a good example for um, linguists as well. You'd still need post-production things, you know, it's like a raw diamond. Um, you still need to polish it. Yeah. Otherwise, yep. it's just a piece of rock, kind of. So and focus on your technical ability and your technical correct. skills as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about marketing, getting more clients, and I think sometimes people forget that as well. So, I mean, how how, how does one go about, let's talk about that for a minute, because I think that is a, a, an important topic. How does one go about improving your one's technical skills over time after you've graduated from university and you kind of are in a career and you are working? How do you take the time, seek the help, or advice, or how do you go about improving your technical ability over time? Um, I honestly don't want to give myself as an example because I'm a workaholic, and uh, I managed, you know, with three kids, um, and and my husband being being deployed to Afghanistan uh, to to do a PhD. So if that tells you something about me, oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, please, yeah. no, don't, don't, don't use me as an example. All I can say is have, you know, the urge, if you have something that keeps you going, 
uh, whatever that may be. It may be your kids. It may be your husband who is who is in a war zone, and and you can say, hey, at least I I'm sitting here. You know, I'm safe. I'm I'm in a free country. Uh, whatever that that may be, try to concentrate on this, and that will give you give you energy. And and um, if I may say so, I'm a believer. Uh, of course, I you know have my faith. Uh, yep. that definitely carries me on but whatever it is you know uh, try to to uh, look at the side I don't want to say look at the positive because that's again very easy to say but try to look then at situations at people that are in a worse situation that you may face that might you know give you the grace to say oh yeah okay um I'm actually, you know, in in a place, and and uh, hopefully that gives you a little bit, little bit of that push, a little bit of this extra energy that you need to to do. Yeah. But yeah, again, you have to look out for it. I, you know, take classes still. I'm reading up on things. I'm talking to people. I search advice from from others. Nobody is is perfect, and again, this goes back to this. You have to say, and I think Paul, that you like that the terminology as well. This plugged in, you need to stay attuned with the world that is, you know, going on. And this is not just languages. We are talking people. We are talking, we are talking culture. We are talking a lot of things, and the world is changing. The countries, languages change. And and of course, uh, countries themselves change all the time. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Dagmar, that is a very positive and insightful uh, note to to end on. So thank you, thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming on and and sharing some of your your expertise. I'm really grateful to you for your time and and I know you've 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 totally done things right always tried to do the right thing by by freelancers over the years and i think that's i think that's very important and i and i like what you said right at the beginning of of forming a team with the freelancers that 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 worked for you i think that was a very a very uh, positive point as well so dagmar overall a big thank you to you if you'd like to, if people would like to get in touch with you please leave your your details and i'll leave you with the last word no thank you so much paul um I don't consider myself a wise person, but I'm an old person. So I hope, you know, some of my wisdom actually applies to you or will apply to you in the future. Um, thank you very much uh, to Paul. Thank you very much to ProZ. I think it's an awesome platform. It gives, you know, us as, as LSPs as well as you as linguists no matter where you are in this world, a wonderful platform and at least a chance. And that's, you know, more than a lot of people have an opportunity. So thank you. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Dagmar. Speak to you again soon and all the very best. Cheers. Bye-bye, Paul. Thanks. Bye-bye, everyone. So great stuff there from Dagmar. I hope you enjoyed that one. I'll be back next week. In the meantime, don't forget to check out training.pros.com. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.